You probably are already open to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we've, uh, we started the book of Matthew a while ago and uh, got to this message that, uh, that our Lord was, was preaching. Actually, one of the, one of the first uh, and, and, and one of the most lengthy uh, recordings we have of, of, of him speaking at length, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that we've come to call the, the Sermon on the Mount because Scripture says that Send the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. His disciples came into him. And he, he's this teaching, he's teaching to his disciples that have come to him. Before we continue on and where we are in Matthew 5, I, I ran across this several weeks ago. Uh, what we're going to be looking at this morning, I thought is very, very appropriate. Uh, I'll share this with you. It's called the X-Rated Sermon. A preacher by the name of Wil- Wilbur Reese once preached a message in which he presented a listener's guide to sermons. He said that sermons ought to be rated in much the same way that movies are rated. G sermons are messages that are generally acceptable to everyone. They contain phrases such as go ye into all the world and smile or what the world needs is peace, motherhood, and fewer taxes. (laughs) Sermons such as these are often greeted with the response, wasn't that marvelous or simply wonderful. Everyone loves a good G message and they will never offend anyone. There are some people who would refuse to listen to a message that wasn't rated G. PG sermons are for more mature congregations and they have mild suggestions for change, but they're subtle enough to allow the preacher to backpedal and change his meaning if he finds that he has inadvertently offended someone. An example of a brilliant PG statement would be, the either are of the existential situation provides a plethora of alternatives, both specific and nonspecific. <laughs> when one grasps the eschatological aspect of the incarnational Christology, you know that someone's preached a message like that when people walk away and wonder, shaking their heads and say, man, that was deep. <laughs> of course, if you've done a PG sermon really, really well, nobody actually knows what you said, but nobody's willing to admit it. Then there are the R-rated sermons, and this is when the preacher tells it like it is. These usually indicate that the pastor has an outside source of income and a fairly... (laughs) 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 And a fairly healthy self-image. Sermons like these are usually followed by comments such as, um, well, that was controversial, wasn't it? These sermons definitely aren't intended for everyone, but only for those who wish to be challenged in their spiritual walk. And then there are their X-rated sermons. These are the explosive ideals of the kind that got the prophet Amos run out of town and Jeremiah thrown into the well. And that's not the bullfrog, Jeremiah. <laughs> it says, when you preach an X-rated sermon, you preach them with your suitcase packed and the moving van ready. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'm saying that because as we, as we look at the text of this message that Jesus is preaching in Matthew 5, uh, there, there, there's, there's, uh, there's a, even Christians look at this text in a lot of ways. Now, then there are those that look at the text and say, well, man, you know, these things that Jesus are talking about, they're impossible. They're impossible. Surely he's, surely he's just talking about that, that these are 
these are the lofty supernatural goals that we're to aspire for. And if we, if, if these are our goal, uh, we'll never reach them, but maybe we'll reach the ceiling. And it's better to shoot for the stars and hit the ceiling than never aim at anything. And there, and there are those that look at this and they're going to say, well, I mean, he could say this because Jesus was perfect. And so he's, he's saying this, but he knows we can't ever do that. And then there are those that are just brave enough and bold enough to say, well, no, this is what God's word says, and this is what it means. I know. Anise, can you imagine that? We, we just a couple of weeks ago, and by the way, I heard good things about the, the Gideon speaker last Sunday. I heard he was really, really did a good job. And I always appreciate your uh, acceptance, not only acceptance, but your partnership with sharing God's word. Uh, and you're to be commended for that. And I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate uh, the brother that did a good job. But a couple of weeks ago, we, we were looking at verse 17 through verse 20. Something down in there, 15. And Jesus, where Jesus said that he didn't come to destroy the law, but he had come to fulfill the law. And as we pick up this morning with verse 21 of this chapter, I, I believe that Jesus is now expanding upon that because he, he told his disciples, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And he says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees who were the most religious people they knew. And he said, unless your righteousness exceeds theirs, you're not, you're not, you're not going to get into heaven. So he gives them again, this seemingly impossible climb. And then Jesus I think, begins to explain. Well, what do you mean you didn't come to destroy the law but fulfill it? What do you mean? Because he tells us in verse 21, look with me. It says, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Jesus looks at the sixth commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. And I can remember, and I've said, maybe you've said, as, as I have many times, and talking about God's standards are so high that uh, we look and we look at the commandments when he says, if, you, you know, if you're trying to, be, to gain God's approval, approval by keeping the law, by keeping the Ten Commandments, you're never going to be able to keep them all. Because the writer of the book of James throws in there, that if we keep all the commandments but one and break one, we're guilty of all. And you've heard me say many times, it just doesn't seem fair, but that's God's standard. And he wants to know, us to know that his standard is righteousness. His standard is holiness. Wholeness, holiness. So often I've said, you know, while I, I, I look and I compare myself and I say, well, I, you know, I've never, I'm, never, I'm not a murderer. I've never committed adultery, you know, but, but, but maybe if I just told one lie and I had a good reason for telling that one lie and now I'm guilty of it all. Well, Jesus says, hey guys, you've heard it said you should not commit adultery, uh, you should not kill. And if you kill, there's punishment that follows that. Verse 22 but I say to you, and by the way, I've titled this morning's message, Does the Bible Really Say That? <laughs> Look what Jesus said. You've heard it said in the law, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say to you 
And whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Now, wait a minute. Now, this angry is a good word. I, 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 most time I say mad. And Barbie reminds me over and over. She said, honey, dogs go mad. People get angry. But if you've seen the people that I've seen get mad, they get mad. Okay? They can make a rabid dog look kind of like a pet, like a pet, you know, in their anger. And I'm, while I'm feeling pretty good and I'm saying, hey, 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 Jesus, you know, it's okay, it's okay to talk about the law because I've never killed anybody. And then Jesus says, hey, 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 Helton, I want to talk to you about your temper. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Well, there's my out. There's my, I always have, I never, I never get mad without a reason, Right? <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. Who would just want to go around getting angry? Okay? I've always got a reason. Uh, and, and I've told the Lord those reasons. I'll, I'll always, you know, I tell him those reasons. Matter of fact, in 46 years of marriage, you're probably going to find this hard to, to believe, but there's been a, once or twice in those 46 years that I've really gotten angry with Barbie. And, and uh, you, nobody in here would ever do this, but I have even told on her to God. I have, I have, I've told him. Just in case he didn't know, I've told him, God, the reason I said that, the reason I did that is the woman you gave me. It didn't work for Adam. It's not worked for any of us Adams ever since then. You know, every time I try to tell, every time I try, I would try, and again, it's been many, many seconds ago or minutes ago. You thought I was going to say years. You was going to go ask her. I'm not that dumb. But, you know, when I would, when I would say that to him, God, the reason I did this is because of what she done, and, you know, and, or what she said or what somebody else done or what they didn't do. And every time I try to talk to God and tell him and inform him in a very, well, it's not a Christ-like way, but in a very <laughs> passionate way, he always, he very seldom will talk to me about them. He wants to talk to me about me. Can you believe that? Did you ever do you that way? Now, Helton, I won't talk about you. I won't talk about your wife. I won't talk about, I won't talk about Bubba. I'm not talking about, I'll talk to you. And he goes on, he said, whosoever shall be angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council or the Sanhedrin or the court. But whosoever shall say, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Maybe this is one of the reasons daddy, daddy just would not let us call anybody a fool. If we called our brother, if, we, if I called Janie or Terry a fool, I'd got a whipping. Some we don't say that. Maybe that's where it come from. Now, so I don't, I don't say that, that I grew up knowing if I said that, I'd get whipped. And then I read this in the message. Now, I'm just going to warn you. The message is, I'm not very comfortable the way it says this, but I want you to know why it says it, because it bothers me. The message says, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, don't murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of mother, murder. Now, look at that. Whoa, whoa, back. See, he leaves out the word without a cause, without a reason. Well, there goes that excuse out the window. So I really didn't like that translation already. (laughs) 
But then the next verse, look at the next verse. Carelessly call a brother, you idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled in the court. Thoughtlessly yell, stupid, at a sister, and you're on the brink of hellfire. Now, look, 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 at, look at what Jesus is saying. Whether he was speaking, you know, actually he was probably speaking Hebrew, so he probably wasn't speaking the message. He surely wasn't speaking, I thought, King James. But he, was, but he was speaking and they understood what he said. And listen to what he's saying. The law says you shall not kill. But I'm telling you, when you get angry to the point that your anger causes you or takes you places of hatred and takes you places that your words are spoken in angry. And look at this. It seems to me that the, that the offense is not intensifying, but the punishment sure is, right? I mean, whoever, whoever's going to say to your, to your um, brother, uh, what, was, what was Rekha mean? Was that the one that said fool? Rekha, huh? Yeah. You dummy. We, we, had, we got around calling people fools in the family because it found, we found acceptable words to use for them. Dummy? You know? Nobody ever called me a fool. I got called dummy a lot. You dummy? Yeah. Dummy? Art goes on and, and, and he says, Art, you idiot. It, you know, it, it seems to me, that's no big deal. I mean, I, I know some dummies. <laughs> they say, go look in the mirror, Helton. I mean, I mean it, 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 it doesn't look like a big deal. It doesn't look like that on the surface. But Jesus wants to look inside. He gets, and that's what I'm saying. This message, we need to be careful with this. You need to be careful with this book. Really, we need to be careful with his word. God's word is true. And he wants to get all up in my business (laughs) with his word. Don't he? Don't you? I mean, I just want to come to church, hear one of them G-rated sermons, and go away, pat myself on the back, and say, I'm a lot better. I'm, I'm better no Fred over there. I may not be up to Adam's standard yet, but I'm pretty good. Ain't a honey. Don't ever ask, ain't a honey. Don't, don't do that. You only ask that if you're not married and you're talking to your dog. <laughs> Dogs will wag their tails and lick your hand no matter what you've done, right? But Jesus gets up in our grill. So it doesn't seem like that the, that the offense has gotten intensified, but the punishment is really picking up intensity. Do you see that? So, so Jesus is wanting us to see. He's warning us that anger that results in verbal abuse demands punishment. It's punishable. And he wants to throw it in with this sixth commandment of not killing anybody. Well, there goes my excuse. Yeah, because for a while I've never, I've never taken a, a ball bat and, and, and pinged anybody to the point of death or, or never shot them. Man, he wants to start talking about my attitude. <sighs> He's not through. He, and like I said, I, as we look at this, I believe Jesus does everything very intentionally. He does everything completely correct. And as he builds this message... To those followers of his that day. Just like you and me. They understood. And it was that part that they understood. That they're going. Ooh. Look what he says. Now he, he's, not, he's, not, he's not through. How do, we, how, do we, how do we deal with this then? How do we deal with this? Well look in verse 23. 
He says, therefore. So he says, because you have to watch your attitude, because you have to watch your emotions. You think you're doing pretty good because you're not killing anybody, but what are you thinking in your heart? He says, okay, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, you're coming to the church to worship, right? We came to church to worship this morning. And we, and we come to church to worship. You bring your gift to the altar. And then you remember that your brother, that there's, that there's something in the relationship that shouldn't be there. King James says, if you remember that your brother has ought against you. What's the other translation say? Huh? Something against you. If things aren't right. Things aren't right. Look, this is what, you know what Jesus tells them to do? Jesus doesn't say worship, enjoy, the, enjoy that time with that giving your altar, and then go make things right with the Lord. I mean, go th- make things right with your brother. You know what he says? Hey, just, just leave, your, leave, your, leave your sacrifice right there. Leave your sacrifice right there. Go make things right with that person, and then come back and let's worship together. You've got to be kidding me. Do you think he knows? Now, and, and, and listen, Know this, that, that, that this is not just a brother. It's a brother or a sister or a neighbor or a parent. And, and know that it's, that it's not just gender exclusive. Someone asked Barbie yesterday if, if she had seen Ben-Hur. And she said, is that Obama's bathroom policy? And they said, no, it's, it's, really, it's really a new movie. So I asked her what that meant later and she told me. I didn't know. All right, but just, just know that it's what he is saying. He's saying now that if you come to worship me and, things, and, there's, and there's things that are wrong in your relationships, you need to make those right and then let's come and worship. Let's come and worship then when those relationships are right, when that heart is right with me. Listen, there, there is far too many folks um, I, I, no problem, probably nobody in here. I, I was talking with a person this week, good friend of mine, and, and family, and all of us have families. And, and, uh, and you know, I'm convinced that every family is dysfunctional to a degree. All right? Uh, we always, we, I, I don't know why they never let me get out of the bat, bedroom as long as we had company until I was 16 years old. <laughs> We want, to, we want to put our dysfunctional family members away. I really did. They let me out. I was on a leash. I had this dog. No, no, no. But, but we're dysfunctional to a degree. All of us are. But, but I was talking with a good friend earlier this week. And he was telling me uh, the, of relationships and families. Sp- uh, siblings, brothers and sisters hadn't spoken in years. Um, parents who, who, and kids who aren't talking. Uh, friends used to be neighbors. You went to school together almost 50 years ago. That wasn't in Union County, was it? Yeah. And now he moved up here eight miles of you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But listen, too many of us get let little picky Things that don't mean a hill of beans come in and we get injured, wounded, feelings hurt, mad, angry, whatever you can call about it. Call it whatever you want to. Jesus just got his finger on it. Okay? 
and we waste weeks, days, months, and sometimes years of time that we will never be able to redeem harboring emotions that Jesus wants to put his finger on and say, hey, listen, you may never kill anybody, but we need to talk about what goes on inside you in this anger. And he says, hey, you want to worship me? Yeah, man, I love it. I love it when the choir and the choir sings and the presence of God. Man, we talk, his name, he's worthy. And Jesus said, yeah, I am. But now when you come to worship, you need to be sure that it's not just the outside, but it's the inside. And he goes on, look at this. Jesus, you know, Jesus says, the law says you should not kill, but I want to talk to you about something. I want to talk to you about your attitudes. Well, look at this. He says, uh, leave, your, leave your gift there. First, go be reconciled to your brother. 20 and 25, agree with those who are quickly in the way, or you might be hauled in court, and you're going to have to pay every bitty that you owe there. Verse 27, I didn't come to, full, to, to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Verse 27, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said by them of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. Exodus 20, 14, part of the commandments from Moses is thou shalt not commit adultery. Adultery is unfaithfulness in the marital relationship, except sexual unfaithfulness in a marriage relationship. And, and you know, I, I won't look, he said, and I, I'm looking, I'm saying, comparing myself, and I'm saying, well, you know, I've never killed anybody, I've never committed adultery. And Jesus said, and I feel somebody tugging on my coattail. And I, and I turn around, and there's the Holy Spirit of God. Look what he says. Jesus said, the law says don't commit adultery, but I want to talk to you. But I say unto you. Now, I told first service, this is actually truth. I meant to show somebody this. In, in, in my Bible, and I've had it for a long time, um, verse 27, it's got 27 by it, and a little thing there, it says it's a new paragraph. And in verse 29 there, in verse 28, and I'm not seeing this in any other verse in the Bible. Verse 28 just has the indention, but it doesn't have a 28. So I'm convinced that in my Bible, it's not supposed to be there. Right? Isn't that what we do with God's word? Listen to what he says. Jesus said, I say to you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after, he has committed adultery with her already in his heart. You gotta be kidding me. Look at this. And it goes to the point of making a big deal about garden, what we want to look at and say, Jesus wants to get in my plate. Jesus wants to get in. Jesus wants to get right in my life and talk to me about what I'm watching, what I'm looking at. You too. You too. Because he knows the connection. He knows the connection. They can't even sell toothpaste now without making it sexy. You know? And, and, and Lord knows, I just assume, I don't have to see somebody in their underwear to know that I need to buy underwear. You know? I, I'm serious. But why, why does the world, why do advertisers pay millions of dollars uh, to have a good-looking woman or a handsome man or, you know, to sell stuff? Because they know that God created us. And this sexual drive that he, that he put in men and women is a strong drive and it is a good drive when used in the context of marriage as God intended it to be. 
but when it is taken and abused by the world, the, the, the motivation, the strength of that is still there is strong and the enemy knows that. But Jesus wants us to understand that we need to be careful what we look at. Young people, old people, I don't care who you are. To say that we can watch a movie or that we can watch something and that it's not bothering anybody, it's not affecting us, is to look at God's word and say, God, you don't understand me. Because he does understand you better than you understand you. What you look at on your computer, God knows. Hillary, I, 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 again, I didn't mean to get political here, but I, they, just, they just said that Hillary or somebody on Hillary's staff, staff used bleach bit, bleach bit to, to erase emails. You, you've heard that? Has anybody heard that? Bleach bit. To me, it's like a Clorox. I, I think of bleach. I think, they're Clorox in that sucker. I mean, they, they do it so that they think nobody can, they, they can't, can't find it out. Listen, when you hit that delete button on your computer, and even if you've used bleach bit, God knows what you've been looking at, folks. He knows what we've been looking at. And, and when I hear these reports and people give, you know, you, uh, you listen, I had enough classes, and some of you did. I had enough classes in school to, on research to know that you can prove anything you want to prove with research. It's just a matter of how you, how you change the figures and how you word it, all this stuff, you know? But I hear too many times, I hear too many over and over again, too many statistics of believers and of Christians that are addicted to and involved with immoral sexual content, movies, and, and websites, pornography. I hear too many statistics of Christians to just erase it off and say they're all wrong. And God loves you. He loves me. And he wants the best for us. The reason he tells us, watch what you look at, watch what you listen to, watch what you think about, is because he wants the best for you, not the worst. It was a lie of Satan in the Garden of Eden when he went to Eve and he said, why is God keeping this from you? Because he's wanting to keep something good from you. And Satan's still pulling that weapon out of his arsenal. He's cleaning it off and he's using it and people are still buying the lie and it's damning them to to, to, uh, addictions that God never intended for them to have to endure. Jesus said, Hey, you've heard, this, you've heard the, the, the law says you'll not commit adultery. But he said, I want to talk to you about what you look at and what happens when he, when he goes. He says, if your right eye offended, take it, get rid of it. If your right hand offended, get rid of it. He said, is that, is that strong? Is that important? Now, having said that, Jesus teaches that this seventh commandment can be broken by our thoughts, by our hearts, by our imaginations. Even if our outward conduct is still correct. It's, 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 uh, it's not often, I especially, my opinion, it's my opinion, that it's not often the outward conduct, often the outward conduct is first led by a heart or mind that have went somewhere they shouldn't have went long before. 
I can never forget what my great-grandma, Sally Kelly, she heard I got saved. Nine-year-old boy. Never committed murder, never committed adultery. Nine-year-old. God said, let's talk about your thoughts. Let's talk about your anger. But I'll never forget my great-great-grandma. My great-grandma. Anyway, she said, son, if you got a Bible? I said, yeah. She said, bring me, bring me a Bible. Lived in a little house. Went out there, and she wrote in front of the Bible. You've heard it. It's not scriptural, but it's sure true. She wrote in front of it, sin will keep you from this book, and this book will keep you from sin. Good words. Good words. Let me, let me just a minute, and we're going we're gonna to do devotions. Uh, devotions. We're going to do communion. Um, let, me, let me give you some, some scripture to help me, because I realize we talk about this. Um, but how, where's help for this? Well, let me just, let me just give you, there's, there's a verse, Proverbs 31.1 is a good verse. Is a good verse uh, that, that helped me. Proverbs 31.1, he said, I've, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Uh, did I say Proverbs? I think it's Job. I've got Job, had not it, Craig? Job 31.1. Yeah, I've made a covenant with my eyes. San Francisco, we were there in the, in the late 70s, and I just want to tell you, Broadway North Beach is where, is where we ministered every Friday, every Saturday night. It was there every Friday and Saturday night for a good period of time. Broadway North Beach in San Francisco ain't anything like Kalgeski. Okay? I grew up on Kalgeski. And it had just gotten paved. It hadn't been paved long. It was a gravel road when I grew up there. So Broadway North Beach, for me to go out on Broadway North Beach on Friday night, and talk to people about Jesus. Wasn't any, it, it was a different world. And I learned early on. I learned quickly. God's word. I needed, I needed these. I needed these. Um, help. I need help. And so we. Early on. And we would teach. Look people in the eye. You know. Talk, look at what the scripture. What scripture says. It says that our eyes. Is kind of a window into our soul. Inside. And you talk to somebody about Jesus, you look them in the eye. You don't want to look. I mean, everything they may have on or not have on something a lot that, that, that uh, your eyes are wanting to go somewhere. You know, be like my, my grandmother, Mossy, God love her. And uh, she found a book that one of the boys shouldn't have had. Nobody should have had. But it was of, of clad people. And she found it. And she was destroying it in the burn barrel. Instead of just throwing the whole thing in the burn barrel, she was looking at a page at a time, oh, dear Lord of Jesus. And she'd throw that in there. She'd look at it, oh, dear Lord of Jesus. It's absolute truth. It's true, isn't it, Linda? And, and sometimes we want to do that in our lives, you know, just to relive. And I'm telling you, these this images of our eyes are powerful. Powerful. Guard them. That's what Jesus is saying. Guard our eyes. Make a covenant with our eyes. And we would say, look people in the eye, you know. And sometimes we need to, we need to learn to, to, we're not to look. Are we turning to turn away quickly? Another verse that, that helps me is Proverbs, I mean, is Philippians. I keep wanting to go to Proverbs. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And again, uh, with thoughts, problems with thoughts. Okay, and it just comes on the heels of Philippians 4, 6, and 7 about being, con, being concerned about a lot of things uh, and about bringing our request to the Lord, thanking for what He's done and, and God's peace. And then, and then this, this verse comes in. And I want you to read it with me. And you can read it loudly. Okay, here we go. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, 
Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And there's a template. There's a template. Can I go watch this? Well, lay it alongside this. Can I listen to this? Lay it alongside this. Put it in that template. If it's, if it's pure, if it's honest, it's a good report. I got a thing from um, Jack Wurtson. What was, what was he, who was he with? Word of Life, Scroon Lake, New York, right? I grew up as a teenager. Uh, and hearing Jack Wurtson. And, I, and I, I remember reading a book. I was, a, I was 16, 15 or 16 years old, something other about. And basically the gist of the book was, hey, if you, you, know, you can go anywhere as a Christian, you can go anywhere that you're comfortable Jesus going with you. Okay? Watch anything you want to watch as long as you're comfortable Jesus watching it with you. Listen to any kind of music you want to listen to as long as you're comfortable of Jesus listening to and understanding the lyrics with you. I got uncomfortable reading that. But it was a good guide. You know? Jesus wants to talk to me about my attitude. Jesus wants to talk to me about what I'm watching. Jesus wants to talk to me about what I'm saying. You know? And I'm saying, are you serious? You heard that? And Jesus says, yeah. And now I want to say, I know you hear me when I pray. Your word says you hear me when I pray. I like it when God hears me when I pray. But God says, I, I hear you at work too. <laughs> yeah, you're, Really? And, uh, and I hear you in your house. Yeah, when company's there, it's good to come. No, I hear you when it's just you and Barbie. You're kidding. Jesus, he wants us to know this because he loves us. He loves us. Now, quickly, I just want to I come to verse 33. Uh, verse 33, he says, Again, you have heard it said by them of old time, You'll not forswear yourself. But shall perform unto the Lord your oaths. But I say to you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's city of the great king. Neither shall you swear by your head, because you can't make a hair white or black. But let your communications be yea and yea and nay, nay, or whatever's more than that you got problems with. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, there's a reason that Jesus wants to go back and talk about our vows. And he wants to do it in the context of our marriages. Scripture says in Numbers 32, uh, chapter 30, verse 2, it talks about that be careful when we vow, vow before God to commit that, keep that vow. Scripture says it's better not to make a vow than to make and break a vow to God. You see, Jesus is teaching on faithfulness on our commitments, he expects his followers to be people of integrity. People who are faithful to their promises. People who don't have to worry about swearing to tell the truth because they're truth tellers. And when it comes to keeping our vows and being people of integrity, uh, let, let, me just, let me just say, as, as, far as, as far as I'm concerned, there's no more significant vow that we could ever make. There's no more significant uh, commitment than we could ever make, covenant that we could ever make among individuals, people, than a marriage covenant. And when we stand and make a commitment for better, for worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, forsaking myself only for you as long as both shall live. 
God takes that serious. We need to take it serious. Now, and I love this. Uh, Jeff came to me after first service and, and he said, um, listen, he said, don't worry about being too hard on people. He said, we need to deal with these issues. He said, Christ wants us to enjoy his peace and he wants us to see the goodness of grace and the goodness of mercy. And I look at this and I, I can't say, well, I've not killed anybody anymore because Jesus said, I want to talk to you about getting angry. I can't say I haven't committed adultery anymore because Jesus won't talk to me about what I'm watching or looking at. But you know what? I found that in doing that, it makes me a lot more attuned to what he, his standards are. And his standards, I used to get frustrated at Barbie. That's going to surprise some of you after. But one of the things that would, that because she's a cleaner. I mean, she, she is. She, she's She'll say our house is dirty and I would eat off the floor. But, but we'll have people coming. We, you know, we would have people coming over to visit. And, and I tried to be busy then because if I was there, we have people coming to visit, going to come and eat. All right, they're going to be in, they're going to be in the living room and in the dining room. Might be in the kitchen. She's back in the bedroom cleaning closets. And I've, I've said to her, she, she'll tell you the truth. I said, honey, what are you doing? We've got company coming. I said, they're coming to eat. I know, but what if they look in the closet? I said, if they come in our bedroom and look in the closet, I'm going to have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, she said, honey, I want the house to be cleaned, not just what they look at. I think, I think, that's a, I think a woman uses that, guys. I still do. I think they use that to get mileage out of it, you know? Because <laughs> she looks in the closet. I, it, it's, you know, 46 years later, she's, that's, she, um, you know? And Jesus, Jesus is that way. He, he don't want us to have those closets back there in our life where he can't go. That fellowship, that, that relationship with him. And, and the thing about it is he knows it. He knows me and he loves me. I, that, that, uh, that continues. He knows everything about me and he loves me. And he knows everything about you, buddy, and he loves you. Now, guys, that's, a, that's amazing love. We don't have to pretend to be something we're not because he's been our righteousness for us. Right? But we don't need to excuse careless behavior with words like, well, I didn't know any better, or it don't make any difference. Don't deceive yourself. God's word is powerful. God's word is freeing. It's freeing. Let's let's share communion before I, I need to stop. Lord, thank you this morning for loving us. Thank you for loving us enough. That you tell us the truth. And when the, when the law says you should not kill, you say, hey, but let's talk about your attitude and about what that anger or what that uh, emotions causes you to say to other people. Wow. And when the law tells us you'll not commit adultery and we have a feeling pretty smug and pretty secure about that, you won't say, but I want to talk to you about what you've watched or listened to and what that makes you think about. Wow. But Lord, when I realize and understand that the reason you've done that is not to keep anything good from me, but it's because you want good for me. You want your truth. You want your righteousness. You want your holiness. And you want to guard me against those things that would, that would dirty the inside, even though the outside would have a semblance of being clean. Inside would be full of garbage that needed to be emptied. In your word, you tell us that Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his heart, cleanse his ways by your word. Father, may your word become more precious every day as we live. May your truth become more powerful and and, and more guiding every day as we walk with you.
Lord, thank you for grace. Thank you for redemption through the sinless life of Jesus Christ. And that which I could never be, he became for me. And he paid my sin debt so that I could go free. Not enslaved to bondage of sin, but gladly a servant of his. Now as we come, Father, to share the bread and the wine of communion of your table, you tell us to do this in remembrance of you. Lord, of your sacrifice, of your blood, in your body, so that we could go free. Father, as we get prepared to do that, I pray right now for this person that's sitting here this morning that your Holy Spirit has, has just stepped big time into their heart and they're very uncomfortable with what you're saying to them. I pray that right now, right now, they would say, God, forgive me. I don't want to make excuses. It's not anybody else's fault. It's not my parents' fault. It's not my spouse's fault. It's not my kids' fault. It's not the preacher's fault. It's not the teacher's fault. It's my fault. And I'm standing in need of forgiveness. Because, Father, it's at the mercy seat where forgiveness is offered through the blood of Jesus Christ that we find freedom. Father, right where you are, If you're a Christian, you talk to him. Walk in that freedom. If you're not a Christian, you never accepted his mercy, I would encourage you this morning. You need a savior. And Jesus Christ is the only savior that can redeem mankind. It's the only name under heaven given to men that we must be saved. Call on him. He's God's son, sinless son, sinless lamb of God, and he died on the cross for my sins and yours. And God raised him to life the third day. And he ever lives to make intercession to the Father for you and me. Father, continue doing what you're doing well as we share this communion table. In Jesus, I pray.